Hello, film maniacs. I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Welcome to my podcast where I dissect movies with fellow film enthusiasts and discuss why we love the medium as much as we do. We're currently in the middle of our mini-series From Stage to Screen, where we study film adaptations of Broadway musicals and prove once and for all that film and theater can work together in harmony. And much like the previous episode, this conversation may sound a little strange in terms of the sound quality, but believe me, the conversation is still just as good. My acapella buddy, Brendan Jacob Smith, is on the show today to discuss the highs and the lows of the Weber and Rice rock musical, Jesus Christ Superstar. All right, Brendan Jacob Smith is on the podcast today talking about Jesus Christ Superstar. I knew you were going to pick this. You've told me ever since like we first started collaborating that this was a very important musical to you. Um, before we get into that, I want to ask, what is your general relationship to musicals? How did you get started and interested in performing? So, hi, everyone. Uh, how's everyone doing? <laughs> You're doing well. <laughs> um, that is a good question. So it's funny that we're doing Jesus Christ Superstar because... To be completely honest, like my introduction to musicals was kind of through this show, uh, more more of of the album than the actual musical. So um, I was always big into rock music when I was a kid. I was into like Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and and you know Rolling Stones. And um, my dad introduced us to this album called Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, it had the lead singer of of Deep Purple. We love Deep Purple in my house as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was like, this is a cool album. You should check it out. Like, didn't even tell me it was a musical. And so I listened to this album and I like was obsessed with it. So I was obsessed with this musical album. Didn't even realize that it it, it had like a full production, that there was going to be like a, a full musical of it. So I pretty much had the entire album memorized before I even seeing a production of the show. And then... I think maybe when I was like 13 or 14, um, we got to go see the show and I was just completely floored. And I, I remember being completely obsessed with the idea that this album could be a musical, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, I feel like a lot of the time it's it's the opposite where it's like people get introduced to a musical and then they get obsessed with the album. But for me, it was definitely... Um, music first which was cool i can say from my perspective just in terms of musicals in general because i didn't grow up around um new york city but i did take a lot of trips to go see broadway shows i definitely heard albums more first and just from word of mouth that's interesting that you say about rock musicals and being interested in rock music because there's not a lot like as as popular as they can be now a lot of people don't think of classical broadway or musicals in general as being told through through rock and roll music a lot of times it's the the golden age of Broadway, the Anything Goes, the Cole Porters, the Sondheims of musical theater, which is all great stuff. But when I first heard something like like Next to Normal, that was like the first rock musical I heard. And I was like, wow, this is like so completely different. And then a little while after that, I heard Jesus Christ Superstar. And that was my first introduction of it, too. It was, I knew it was a production and I had saw I had seen the um, the Tony performance uh, from 2012 the way they do Jesus Christ Superstar, which is awesome. And I was like, whoa, this is so different. Like, this doesn't even seem like a a religious show or like about religion in general. And I didn't really have that much of an attachment to it. And I had never seen the movie before. 
Um, and there's a lot to talk about with the movie. But why do you think that rock musicals hit differently than, say, a classical Broadway show? Because I, obviously it's based on preference and what kind of music you generally listen to. I know because I grew up a lot just listening completely to rock music. So when I found something like that, it was it completely blew my mind. What do you think it is? Is there anything else besides the music or just the rock styles of of rock and roll musicals that people can attach themselves to? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, it's funny that you say that because uh, I think the thing about this this album and this show that um, my dad liked was that it didn't feel like it was trying to be a theatrical thing. It, it felt like it was rock, like real rock music. Um, and I think that is the this biggest difference between like when a musical is a musical that includes rock music or it's like a rock musical. Like I think what I liked about Jesus Christ Superstar was it didn't feel like it was like a musical theater show featuring rock music it felt like more like it was a rock album that just happened to be a musical if that makes sense mm -hmm. so my dad doesn't really like musical theater which was kind of funny like so he showed me this album and i to be honest i didn't really like it either i just kind of like I, I kind of i think i associated like musical theater as kind of lame honestly when i was a kid <laughs> i was like this is like broadway like this is silly <laughs> and, and and so when i found that there was a different like there was kind of like a rock and cool element of it like that kind of personalized and like made it more human to me. I don't know why, but it wasn't like theatrical and, and you know, and you know how theatrical productions are just kind of like everything is, is very dramatic and, and kind of ridiculous. There's something about the rock musical that just felt very human to me and very like right from your soul and felt very real. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's what I really, that drew me to, rock which then in turn made me kind of like realize that musicals were actually kind of awesome and mm -hmm. then I, I went kind of the opposite direction and I like learned from the beginning of why like the theatrical musicals were actually just as real and just as authentic just in a completely different way than the rock musicals were but yeah I, there's something to be said about like a rock musical like a rock singer who is just speaking like right from their soul. And it's just very, it feels very authentic and very um, real. I don't know. And it's yeah. funny because I say that, but then when you watch this movie, we're going to get into this, but like, it's so dramatic, like so insanely like operatic and crazy, but for some reason it feels very authentic. It's so interesting. I love the idea of musicals that started as like a concept album so like this jesus christ superstar obviously was original album uh les mis was an original concept album most of those like the big operatic shows feel like they just start from a concept album because they're just a collection of songs hadestown as well i think right mm -hmm. i think so yeah i think hadestown um we'll check that later Hello everybody, it's producer Sullivan here, and I looked it up, and Hadestown did actually start as a musical in 2006, uh, but the creator was unsure whether or not it would work out as a musical, so he turned it into a concept album in 2010, before it eventually came back to the stage um, later on. So, they were kind of right, not completely right. Back to the show! This series that we're talking about is about films, but it is also about the beauty of performing and with Broadway. What is your relationship to 
performing in musicals or just performing in general, because obviously you do a lot with music composition and acapella stuff. Yeah. So after, I think when I was a kid, after getting into this like rock music, my brother and I joined this program called the School of Rock, which was kind of an after school program where we got to perform all of our favorite um, rock bands and, and different things. And kind of ever since I was a kid and I started performing, I, I just had this idea in my head that I just really wanted to be like a rock singer, like like a like a rock and roll singer. I don't know, like like a Paul McCartney or like a you know lead singer of some of some band. And I just had that idea in my head, and that didn't really associate with musical theater until my junior year of of high school was when I was like, oh wait, I had been doing musicals like from middle school, but I was kind of like, yeah, this is like a fun thing that I, that's kind of fun to do. But it wasn't something I was like, I want to do this in my life. I had always been like, I want to be a rock singer. Like, I just want to be in a band and I want to like tour the world and do that kind of thing. Then in junior year of high school, I was in, oddly enough, I was in a production of Grease at my high school. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I played Teen Angel, which is like that, the one who sings Beauty School Dropout. Right. And I have never felt more like a rock star, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Probably the least rock and roll part in that show, and like. yeah, it's pretty campy. But uh, <laughs> but for some reason, I just felt really like I was like, oh wait, no, this can I can still have that same feeling that I'm like searching for doing doing musicals and things like that. Um, and so after that, I kind of caught the bug. I'm sure you experienced this too when you you did musicals. You kind of just kept. There's a cert, There's like always that one show that you're like, oh wait, no, this is dope. Like. Mm-hmm. What, what was it for you? I'm curious. Um, well, that's a good... I don't know... Well, because uh, I've said it before in this series that I got it very early that I wanted to be an actor. Like, when I was five years old, I just knew I wanted to be an actor. So the only outlet for me, even though I knew that film was my ultimate goal, the, the next logical step to get there for me was theater. There was a big community theater scene around my hometown. And I did... What did I do... Oh, I was in my first like musical musical where I had like a part and everything. I did uh, Alice in Wonderland when I was, I think, 12. And that was the first time I was like, oh, I see people from my school that I know and hang out with doing this that I didn't know had done theater and was into it. And so it was and people just and saw that I was new and came to me and was like, hey, what's your name? What are you, what are you doing here? And I was like, whoa, this is actually like a, a group. And I, I like that. And after, you know, just listening to new music and being able to perform it. I was like, this is what I want to do. And I did like two shows a year for the next like seven years after that. And yeah, you're right. It does become like this, this bug. And you're just like, I got to, I got to keep doing it. Like, I don't want it to stop. I mean, that's just kind of the beauty of performing in general is that is coming together with so many different people of so many different talents and just being really raw and emotional with them and being able to just kind of let all of this extra energy out that you have, because that was a big thing for me was just, I need, I have so much energy. I got to put it out somewhere. Um, And that's kind of where my love of theater sprung from. And I mean, that's why we're here today talking about this, right? (laughs) Yeah. I got to ask the next episode after yours is Ross Kennedy came on to talk about um, fame and obviously you went to LaGuardia, the high school from fame. I want to know what your experience was like at that school. Just how did your love or pursuit of music 
come from your time there or what did you really take away or learn from being uh, from going to LaGuardia? Well, that's interesting that you talked to Ross about this. I think that we have a different take on the uh, on what the school was like. Um, Very much so. I'm curious what he what what can you give me a quick run, rundown of what he said or it it was it was different. Like he, I don't know if I could say it as good as as he did. Um, why don't he, yeah maybe maybe why don't I say what I would say and then you can be like well mm-hmm. that was different because you know what I mean yeah like, yeah sure go for it. Mm-hmm. So my thought about Laguardia is that. And I experienced this my first two years is that like, if you don't kind of push your way into everything, like if you're not like going to really bust your butt to be in like everything you can be and audition and just meet as many people as you can and, and try to like, cause there's so many people and so many talented people at that school that it's really about like you, re- if you're not going to put in the effort to be seen, then you're just not going to be seen. If that makes sense. Um, it was mm-hmm. the kind of school that like, once people had an idea and image about you, then they'd be like, okay, now we can cast this person. Um, but if you didn't put yourself out there or if like someone else, if someone didn't recognize that you were like in any way talented or that you didn't have the work ethic, then you're kind of, you'd get kind of sidelined. And for me, honestly, the first two years was a, a, a good amount of that. I was kind of pushing, trying to be seen, trying to like, you know, really, really do as much to, to get involved in the things that were happening at that school. But it was, it's hard. It's, it's challenging to like kind of put, get your foot in the door in a sense. It really is. And that school is so big. It does feel like a miniature version of the real world because there's just so many really talented people and, and getting your foot in the door is a challenge. So I'm not sure what Ross said about it, but I learned so much about just what I have to offer and how hard I have to work to really be successful in life and at that school. But it really, it took a lot of like really busting my butt in, in multiple way, like in multiple different uh, departments. So I was trying to get involved in as many things as I could. And in that sense, once I was kind of involved in everything, it made the experience at LaGuardia like absolutely incredible but if you don't kind of get your foot in the door and involve yourself in everything you can, it's easy to feel kind of overwhelmed by everything that LaGuardia is and has to offer. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's the kind of school that you get what you put into, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand what you mean. And, uh, and I'll just like tease the next episode, listen to in two weeks for Ross's full take and his, our full discussion on it. But, uh, he was talking, he definitely mentioned the kind of politics of the whole, uh, because he was a music major and, uh, the almost hierarchical way, uh, structure of the school itself. And he said like kind of coming out of that, he realized like maybe performing wasn't something that I wanted to do full on and, you know, went into college with a completely different mindset. That's just kind of a brief brief thought but it definitely seems like the kind of place that is that could be a real reality check of like okay if this is what I want to do I've really got to like push myself to to get there totally that that kind of like ties into just artistry in general and one thing that I do really like about Jesus Christ Superstar in is that if you want to try and stand out and do something new and make something that people haven't heard or seen before you really have to push the boundaries and push yourself to get it out there. And it's, and it's not easy. And I commend the writers of this show and uh, Norman Jewison of the movie, who directed the movie, to, who tried their hardest to 
create something and took a story that pretty much we all know just the last, uh, you know, the time of Jesus and put a different spin on it. And that's a really interesting piece to, you know, kind of go forward with. And I mean, you know, we could talk about the legacy of Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice for forever. Um, but what is, I, I got to ask, what is your perception of them in the musical theater world? Yeah, I mean, definitely my biggest knowledge is Jesus Christ Superstar. I, mm-hmm. I like a lot of Andrew Lloyd Webber and I like a lot of what Tim Rice has done. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of Cats, I'll say that. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not a <laughs> I like Aida. I think Aida's really great. To be honest, I'm definitely one of those Andrew Lloyd Webber fans that like respects his other stuff, but like is just a wholehearted Jesus Christ Superstar person. Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of people who love Jesus Christ Superstar and just don't like a lot of the stuff that Andrew Lloyd Webber has done past that. I don't dislike any of the other stuff. I think it's it's you know it's got its place where it is, but um, there's something to be said about that one show that he just the the Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber combo just completely came out and crushed it um and i actually got to perform for for tim rice um because i i was going Mm -hmm. in for i was auditioning for this this show that he put on in london they were going to do another production in um in the city and i mean this happens as an actor you make it to final callbacks or whatever and then you don't get it (laughs) but i what for me it was like i didn't i i had been going in for the show and then I made it to final callbacks and the final callbacks had him in it. So like for me, like not getting the show didn't matter. The, the, the win was that I got to perform for Tim Rice. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I sang, uh, Jesus, I mean, I sang Jesus Christ Superstar gets Stemony for him. And, um, that was definitely one of the most epic moments of my life. Yeah. <laughs> so like you, you know, as an audition person, like as someone who's auditioned for a lot of things, like, Sometimes just being in the room is you've won. Like you didn't, maybe you mm-hmm. don't get it, but like you've already kind of gotten seen. So you're kind of, you've kind of won in a sense. So yeah. Um, yeah and it's also like really impossible to get seen sometimes. So getting mm-hmm. seen is like, but yeah, that, that was crazy. He is such an icon. That, that is an epic win. So <laughs> congratulations on that. I remember you told me that and I was like, wow, that's, that's, yeah, that seems like uh apex mountain right there he's a funny Uh, man too (laughs) i I much more appreciate what they have done for musical theater like they obviously have their place i've never been personally too attached to really any of their shows jesus christ superstar is obviously very good i do enjoy phantom i don't love phantom but it i did my first exposure to phantom was i did it in high school and i was like oh this is actually kind of cool and i was i was into it um but it's not one that i constantly go back to is Phantom Tim Rice? I don't know if Phantom is Tim Rice. No, not Tim, Tim Rice, but definitely Andrew Lloyd Webber. Right, right, so, right, right. But I, I much more be like, okay, I understand why people like these shows. I've just personally never had the biggest attachment um, to them. He and, you know, they, they both, they have their hits and they have their, they have their misses, but they are clearly icons of, of musical theater. And I feel like it has to do a lot with the way that they write songs, especially in Jesus Christ Superstar. They're very unconventional in that they really like to stretch out and milk certain phrases. Like a lot of phrases in Jesus Christ Superstar are so elongated with uh, a lot more uh, like polysyllabic words and instrumentals that you think it sounds like something you've heard before, but they take them to rhythmically to a whole other level. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. I, I'm absolutely upset. Are you talking about the lyrics? Or you're talking about the like instrumentation, like the percussion, like just everything. Just yeah. Everything. I think that's actually one of my favorite parts about Jesus Christ Superstar. I think that orchestrations are 
incredible. Like I love so many, there's so many amazing melodic guitar lines that are happening simultaneously as the, um, like as the singer is singing a melody um, that are just so awesome. Some incredible horn parts. I also love that there are so many different versions of each song because I feel like the way that it's written it's 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 definitely not like open to interpretation at the point where like you should be back phrasing or doing anything insane but like there are there are so many different versions where like the actor kind of is given a little bit more liberty to kind of take its own take his own uh, or her own interpretation on the material and also um honestly orchestration wise i've seen like multiple orchestrations for each song that were all great in their own way there's so much to relish in the score, um, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But before we do, um, this series is called From Stage to Screen. We're talking about film adaptations of Broadway musicals. You've obviously seen a lot of productions of this um, show. I want to know, just in terms of a general overview, there are a lot of film adaptations of Broadway musicals out there, and I feel like there, are, in, in terms of just mediums and communities, there seems to be a bit of a there's definitely a divide in between film and theater. And we've talked about this before on past episodes, but what do you think is the challenge of adapting a Broadway show to a film? Because there's clearly some changes that need to be made. What do you feel is is a challenge in, in doing that? Oh man, I mean, there are a, a billion challenges to, like, to try to adapt like that. I can't even fathom that. I think it's trying to like keep the same spirit of the show without, but also like making it tell a story that, that makes more sense for the medium of, of movies. And I know that's kind of broad, but I, I really was thinking about that watching Jesus Christ Superstar, like some of the, uh, some of the sequences that work really well on stage, I, I can imagine were really challenging to, um, to reproduce in a movie setting. Like I was specifically thinking about that scene uh, when he sings Gethsemane and he is, he's climbing up the, um, the rock face, you know, that part. And mm -hmm. in, and in pretty much most productions I've seen, he's kind of just like standing there and just singing, like belting his face out and he's looking at the sky. But I, I found that to be kind of a fascinating way to look at it because it, it that part actually I thought really does make sense because in a sense like that's what he's doing he's trying to like get God to see him and really understand him so like that climbing up the hill climbing up the rock face kind of felt right it kind of felt like he was that that's kind of his intention is to try to like get God to be able to see him so I think that works but yeah like keeping the same intention behind like what the actor is, is trying to accomplish without um, like making it about the intention of what that scene is and not about like some cool shot that you'll get or like some cool, interesting looking, like, you know, big, broad, like cinematography, crazy shot of like the actor doing something like it's important to make it about what the intention is. I think. I definitely agree with the, trying to keep the spirit of the show and understanding that some things are going to have to either get cut or changed to fit the medium. And there's a lot of interesting choices that are made in this movie. They are choices. <laughs> yeah, let, let's just get into it. Let's get into the critical breakdown. Uh, 
there's a lot to talk about. So much to say about this. <laughs> this movie was directed by Norman Jewison, who also directed um, Fiddler on the Roof, which is the first episode of this series, and did a fantastic job with that. I was, and I, like I said, I hadn't seen this film before uh, last night, so I was curious to see um, how this director could bring uh, his brand of a kind of epic cinema from the 70s to this movie. And let's start, let's start with what we like. I mean, basically, like all of the songs sound great. Like all of the performances are like super solid. Everyone sounds like just killer. And all the musical numbers are so energetic and so passionate. that You can definitely tell that the actors are living in the moment and like making sure that they are singing and just like killing every single note. And I, I love that. You can see that. Like you can, and I, like you can feel it watching it. I totally agree. I feel like this movie does a good job of, although it's pre-recorded or maybe recorded afterwards, I feel like they're speaking in the moment. It doesn't feel like it's an, you know how musicals have, sometimes they'll have them like singing and, and it's clear, it's very clearly pre-recorded. You know how like Les Mis does it in like live, they did it live. Mm -hmm. So like, I felt like it captured the energy as if it was almost live, at least for the most part. Um, and I agree with the performance thing. Like, I think some of the performances in this movie are outstanding. I think they're amazing. I think some of them aren't, but that's mm -hmm. a different... Not, not that they're bad, they're just... There have been interpretations that I've preferred, if that makes sense. No, I, I, definitely, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. I think that the two... Jesus and Judas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus and Judas, um, played by Ted Neely and Carl Anderson, are just dynamite. Particularly Carl Anderson, I thought his voice was the... His performance was personally my favorite. I mean, he's kind of the main... He's almost the pr protagonist in, in a way because they focus a lot on him and his inner conflict. I mean, they do with Jesus too, but that's a cool choice. I like that they do that with this movie. Is literally the first full-on song that you hear is Judas, and it's it seems like that like that's cool because you're starting the movie with your antagonist almost as opposed to your you know your protagonist with with Jesus and his voice is just like it's so it's the range is insane dude like, he is i've seen a lot of judases and i think that he is i mean this is a known thing for Jesus Christ superstar fans that this is like one of if not the most iconic Judas interpretation he's just every shot is so intentional about what he's doing it's it's I think he makes this movie for me like mm -hmm. I think his Judas interpretation is just so freaking like passionate and amazing um yeah and yeah and it honestly justifies some of the interesting uh, costume choices for me. Like mm. <laughs> there's some, I don't know how you, this is jumping into a different conversation, but definitely some of the costume choices were, were in my opinion, like just, just bad. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to not say it. So no, it's no, it's fine. Well, I mean, okay. So my thing and I, I want to get into my main issue with it a little bit later, but the, we're, to stay focused on the costumes necessarily, I was okay with them like having outfits from like the 1970s. I, I honestly didn't mind that. Um, totally. I, I thought that it was good contrast to the scenery around them because they filmed this in Israel and they're just in uh, like the desert. So it, it contrasted well. It made it made them pop a little bit more, especially in the scene where 
Simon is singing and they're all they're all dancing around Ju- uh, Jesus. Like that was cool. I, I actually I didn't mind that. Um, I think I think it's a little odd that Jesus is wearing his tattered garments while everyone else is looking fly as fuck. <laughs> and I I mean I've always thought that Judas's like fringe thing at the end is a little weird, but it's it's iconic. So I'm not really going to argue with that, but that's, I mean, that's just my opinion on the costumes. What, what do you, what are your gripes about it? Uh, yeah. I feel like I totally agree with you that some of the, that kind of look was a good contrast with like the Israeli um, setting. Like I thought that was good, but I felt like a lot of it, especially like, I feel like the coloring wasn't cohesive. Like whoever chose the colors for this movie who were doing the costumes, like, weren't like, let's pick five. And like, those will be the ones we mostly use. It was like, they literally just like pointed at colors on the color palette. And we're like, let's Mm -hmm. just use that. Um, And I totally agree with the Roman hats. We're like, what is this? (laughs) I think any costume that takes away, that literally is distracting you from what's happening in the scene is not the right choice. Like, I feel like if, the director, if I, if I, I mean, I'm sure you as a director, if you saw that, would you be like, you know, that would distract me, like from mm-hmm. whatever the intention is that's incur- like occurring in the movie. But I do feel like a lot of the costumes were cool. Like I liked the the superstar costumes, like the all white when he came out and sang, like that um, Jesus Christ Superstar number, like the mm-hmm. superstar song at the end when Judas d- did that. And I liked some, like some of the the 70s, 80s style kind of flowy hair like costumes they worked but yeah i just felt like there were some choices yeah the roman like the purple hat the helmet thing (laughs) i was like what in the world was Mm -hmm. this choice honestly that's kind of my biggest strife with the with the movie was the the costume choices that were just incredibly distracting honestly yeah the the wrong i mean that whole scene where we first meet um Caiaphas, is that how you say his name? Caiaphas, um, yeah. Caiaphas, yeah. Something, his, like that. something like that, yeah. His song is great. Like, that's a great song, but it's like, <laughs> the hats are distracting, and then he's singing really low, and that's, that's, that's cool, but then they're banging on, like, metal bars, and I'm like, this is almost, like, out of Monty Python. Like, <laughs> it's, like it's just funny. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree, and yeah some of the like ruined structures i was like that's cool that you're shooting there but it also logically makes no sense like why are they just like chilling in these ruins (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it felt very much like you could see into the making of the movie which i think Mm -hmm. was a big issue like if you're going to film in Israel, make it seem like these people live there, not like you're filming in a place where people used to live thousands of years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's one of my big things with the movie is that it seems like, like I'm all for the idea of telling an older story with a modern, with modern actors. Like, totally. um, like that's a great idea, but go all in like, you're doing it modern, have it in a modern setting, but just know like this is the telling of Jesus. Like, or because okay, this is my big problem with this movie is everyone sounds great, like all the music is dope. It's it's awesome. But the thing is, it's not really that cohesive of a story in that 
it's mainly focused on the music and the songs. That's the main draw of the movie because we all know the story of Jesus. We know how it's going to end. You know, all the, the, the cool thing that they did that was, um, that was different was they, I mean, just in terms of the show in general that I applaud them on is they show the inner conflict more of Jesus and Judas. You see that there's, there's trouble going on. And I really like that, but it seems like this is much more of a concert. Like, I, I feel like this works much better as, as a concert. Like I know that, I think you told me that the 2012 revival that they did was much more in line with as if it was like a rock concert. And I think that that's cool. Like it's just, it's hard to do that on film because this show is much more because it's all sung through and it's just music and it's easier to get away with that in theater than it is on film. Not to say that every film has to have a complete three act structured story. um, But it's in theater. It's much easier to get away with not having that. Does that make sense? I, I totally agree. I think this is one of those shows that if they were to commit to making it more of a story, a fleshed out thing, they, they would have had to go way more far out than they did. I feel like they kind of, they, they relied too much on, on what was already there and they didn't build enough of another thing to make it fleshed out enough to be a full, like, like you said, three act story. I think it works really well in like in like a concert setting because the music and the characters are so strong that it almost those two things work so well that you can do it without every other thing, you know? Like unless you make the third thing, which is like the story slash the set slash the you know, the three act structure, if you make that just as strong as the two things then it would work. But the thing is, if you half-ass the third option, it just makes the whole thing out of whack, if that makes sense. Because then it's yeah. like, it makes it obvious that the third, the like what you were trying to do to add to the two other elements, it makes it mm-hmm. look so much less strong when it's not like on par with like the music and the character work and all that stuff. So it made it very obvious that the other elements weren't working, if that makes sense. Yeah, th- that's the same problem that I have with Godspell is that the in both cases, the music is great, but the stories when they're told more so on screen are not very interesting. They're totally. like, and I don't want to sound scandalous because I know it's the Bible, but I know how it ends. Like, I know what's going to happen. There's no real surprises. And it's not told in a new, interesting, compelling way. You know, it's it's hard to do religious stories on screen nowadays because you feel like you have to be of just the time that the stories take place and tell the events that we know. So it, it almost seems tired after a while. So in that sense, again, I applaud the movie for having that music that sets it apart, but the only other thing that they do is add some inner conflict to give you a glimpse into Jesus's mind, but the outcome is still the same and it doesn't really have as much of an emotional impact as I feel it could. Totally. It's just, it's almost uninteresting at times, which is, it's just really sad to say, but you know, it could have, I don't know. It, I feel like it just could have been done better. Totally, totally agree with you. It, it's so interesting that I call this my favorite musical and it's because I think it's just, it's so, I guess I, I guess you're kind of right. I've never really seen a production that I feel like goes where I feel like my soul wants it to. And I think that's kind of a good thing. Cause I, I think the reason I like this musical so much 
is because I, it's kind of leaves a lot to the imagination. I feel like, I think it gives you like your imagination fills in what happened in between the scenes. What it doesn't really give that much backstory about what Jesus and Judas's relationship was like. And I think it does that on purpose because the music feels like it's fueled with so much that you don't even know. And I think that's what I love about it. And I think that's what, what works about it. And the, the songs are so good because there's this mysteriousness that you're, that you fill in with your imagination of, of what these characters are going through. And, and, and I feel like if they gave too much backstory, it would like, first of all, it is the Bible. So, it, you know, you're, you're, there's already like backstory kind of that you don't really know. Like you're, you're, you're taking a story that's already been told a thousand times, a thousand ways so everyone kind of has a preconceived idea of what they're going to get getting themselves into. So um, I kind of I don't know I like that that aspect of Jesus Christ Superstar. I get I get what you mean. No, and and I agree that I would like I would much rather prefer, I would just prefer this as well. I would need to see a full on production of it like in person to have a full because I I have not had the opportunity to see it performed on stage, um, mm-hmm. which I would absolutely love to do. But I, I feel like it'd be, it's a cool idea to, this is the way, a way to teach this story from the Bible with the music and understanding like, oh, this is actually what this means. And this is what this reflects from the original telling. But like, it, it just worked. I just feel like it works better as an album. Like I would just want to like, I would sit down, I'm going to listen to this and then I'm going to get out whatever I want to get out of it that way. I think that's what I liked about the 2012 revival. A lot of people hated on it because they didn't feel like it had enough of the third element that I'm referring to, like enough story, enough, like it wasn't giving, but I liked that it kind of, the concert style, it's not a concert, but it, it kind of gave that feeling of like, they were giving you the story and kind of allowing your imagination to fill in the more of like the background details. I liked the concert feel of it because it felt like I was experiencing Jesus Christ Superstar rather than tell someone else telling me how to experience Jesus Christ Superstar. Does that make sense? I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, no, it was a little, it was a little more stripped down. And this movie, not to say that this movie is necessarily bad, because there is a lot of good stuff to like about it. Now, you know, I'm maybe getting a little too negative here, but like, it looks great. Like the cinematography is great. Like you can see, it's just like the sprawling, like just the landscape. And um, but like the thing with the set, I agree that it seems like it's they're just logically i wasn't really thinking about it necessarily logically like why are these people here like i understand the stylistic choice but just in terms of the look it's like they only have like four different locations to kind of work with but that being said the actors do really kind of live in it with their movements and oh that was the other thing i wanted to bring up is that the choreography is awesome but you could definitely tell that it was made for um for the stage like especially in um, what's the first the first time they sing what's the buzz when they're in the the cave and they're doing like all these big like open movements and they're like that's great but you can tell that that would look cooler with just you sitting still looking at a stage and they're doing that with a moving camera it feels a little disorienting. I totally agree. I feel like mo- choreography in movies. This is just my opinion. So. Unless it's supposed to be like a dance break, I think in this movie, it wasn't. It doesn't work as well when it's like, uh, like when you're like, okay, this is a dance break. This is a choreography break. You know what I mean? Like, I think movie 
is this specific movie deserved all of the movement to feel less like dance and be like more like, sorry, there's a ladder that's just outside the window. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I loved the energy of the, of the choreo in this, in this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought it was awesome, but it did feel like, oh, this would translate really well on stage. I'm not sure it's translating as well in this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And they, and they do some, that's some weird stylistic choices. Like in the scene that, um, where Simon is singing, what's the name of that song? Like talking about like pride and glory and all that. When afterwards, uh, Jesus is like, to defy death, you must die. Like that scene, like that choreography is, is great, but he cuts in, there's like a couple freeze frame moments that only last for like 10 seconds, or Dude. probably even less than that. And even like a couple slow mo shots, and it, it it doesn't feel. I understand that like nineteen seventies musical filmmaking is much different than the technology and like uh, styles that we have today. I understand that, and Norman Jewison does do a good job. Just there were so many other ways, like just with movement of the camera, as opposed to freeze frame, slow motion shots of people jumping, and then another freeze frame, and then back to singing. It's, it just, it was weird. Like, I was like, this just kind of feels like you're trying to find a way to make it interesting when you yourself may not actually believe that it's interesting. Yeah, those freeze frames I thought were really silly, honestly. I was like, what in the world <laughs> is happening? It, it took me out, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, there was a couple moments where he would like, do you know that scene when, like, it's like the pinnacle moment where where Jesus, like, screams out this, like, insane high note, and he's like, why should I die? Mm-hmm. And then it just cuts to, like, these images of Jesus. Of, yes. Like, I was oh, like, my what? God. It was so good. He was giving everything, and then you just, like, ruined it. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, you got to stay with the character. Like, why would you do that? I don't know. And I agree that that scene is actually a good adaptation from stage to film that what I like that he's climbing in the middle of the night and is restless after seeing that everyone at the last supper is just passed out. He's like, well, no one stay up with me. And you can tell that it's now weighing down and he's questioning God. And it's like, Oh, he's actually like calling to question the person that he, like the values he's been pet from he's been perpetuating. He's climbing up and like, as he's climbing up, the score gets higher and higher. And so cool. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's dope. And then they just show like, romantic century paintings of Jesus on the cross. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why? Why? Yeah. Oh God. It was so epic. And then it was just like, it's like, why would you show another iteration of a character that you're already showing? Like Mm -hmm. you're showing Jesus. Why do you need to cut away to another version of him? Like that makes no sense. And also it's not like it's in place of the crucifixion. We see that happen later. Like, why do we need to see it twice? Is that his foreshadow? Jesus only sees foreshadowing in, in romantic <laughs> romantic paintings. Doesn't yeah. really make any sense. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, it's the pinnacle of, uh, it's literally as if it felt to me when I was watching it, it was as if it was about to be the pinnacle of a moment. And then someone was like, something went wrong. You know what I mean? Or like, mm-hmm. so like, the stagehand like dropped the curtain by accident or something. Yeah. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, what? But what he's, he's about to, what? And then, yeah. Uh, I was so, like they didn't, they didn't finish filming the scene and they're like, wait, we have an extra like 15 seconds we need to fill in. All right. Well, just, we'll, we got all these, like all these cuts of like, of paintings. We, 
we can use them. You know, we bought them for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's all in It straight up felt to me as if like, as if like, so they by accidentally dropped the camera at that moment. They're like, well, we don't have footage for this part. So I guess we'll just like, yeah. throw in some in- images from Jesus. <laughs> uh, it's like, yes, we can do that. But we also did, you know, multiple takes to make sure that something like this doesn't happen. And he's like, no, we're going to do it this way. <laughs> yep. I, that was a, yeah. a choice. I mean, I respect, I respect the bold choices in this movie. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. It definitely takes, yeah, it takes a lot of choices. And also, I mean, just the idea that, this is clearly, or doesn't seem to be as mainstream of a movie that you would normally see in the 70s. It seems almost, there's a lot of independent filmmaking in it in some aspects, you know? Just the idea of, you know, the minimal sets and the focus just purely on the actors singing. Like, you see that in independent films a lot. And I, I kind of respect the film in that sense. And again the actors are killing it. Like everyone's is just awesome in this movie, especially like that scene uh, to go back to the last supper scene when uh, Judas and Jesus break out into that argument and they're like face to face. And he's like, you want me to do it? Like, I know you're going to do it. And that was so powerful. I was like, I feel the energy. Like this is such great conflict. Right. And then all this conflict. And then he just runs into a bunch of sheep. Do you remember that? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, what a choice. Where did these sheep come from? Like, what? Oh, damn, I forgot about this sheep. Damn. Oh, my gosh. It's funny that you say that about, like, the independent film. I totally feel that independent film vibe. And I was just thinking, I was like, you know what? I bet it was. I bet they just spent the budget, like, on being in Israel. And then they were like, well, we don't have a budget for a set. So I guess we're using <laughs> Israel. Like, yeah, we're already here. Like, well, there's some ruins. Like, I guess we'll just use the ruins. <laughs> But it did feel like a lot of the sets were like half built. I mean, I guess that was on unper- like, like the scaffolding and like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Maybe they like didn't have a budget to finish the scaffolding or like that I, was a choice. I feel like it was a deliberate choice. I think yeah. all of the set choices were deliberate. I just don't think they work that well, particularly the scaffolding. Scaffolding is like set design 101 in theater. Like that's the go-to for everything. You know, West Side Story, Rent, Cats, it's all got scaffolding. Like everything in musical theater, especially contemporary, is being built and it's never going to get finished. Like that's just how set, like it's just how it works. Uh, in a film, it's not exciting at all. Like it, no. <laughs> it's just, there's just, there, there's metal bars and then the sky. Like that, that that's it. <laughs> yeah, my gosh. I totally, I, t- I haven't thought about it that way. You're so, I have seen so many things in scaffolding. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> it always looks exactly the same. It's always that like metally, like, mm-hmm. uh, like and then they're like rusted different. and it looks like a cage, but it's yeah. Um, yeah. And then they're always like, someone's grasping onto it and they're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, also the one thing I got, I got to talk about is um, a character who I'm, I'm a little conflicted about. Um, just because of the, the the direction the character goes, um, and that's um, Mary Magdalene, because she has such great, great songs. She sounds so good, and you can tell that she's devoted to Jesus. Um, but you know, she's towards the second half, sort of in the second act, she's like, I don't really know if this is right, you know, and and I, I like that. But it, it almost seems like they, so she shows up early 
And then she has another song later in the second act. And then she's basically done. She doesn't have any sort of role. I think that, yes, I agree. I think that is a partially a problem with the, just the show itself. The, like mm-hmm. She just doesn't get as big of a role. I first of all thought that her interpretation of the role was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like she's so good. Yeah. I thought she was so good and real and like it was so awesome. Like her rendition of I don't know how to love him, love him was just so intentional. Like everything she said I felt like was just like really something that she wanted like wanting to say for a while and it felt everything just felt very intentional she wasn't just singing she was like yeah it was awesome yvonne Elliman is her name she uh yeah she is fantastic um and also really good really good at emoting like while she was singing like you can definitely see the like the facial changes um especially early on at first she was just kind of thinking and then she was clearly grappling with this inner turmoil and then when she ends it's like oh it like you actually feel it and so props to her for that like she well, she, she took, killed it she took us like a subpar part and made every single thing that she i mean that's an amazing part like everyone wants to play that part but let's that's because of the incredible songs that that character gets to sing um but like to be honest i feel like that character could use at least one or two more moments of like a duet with Jesus or some sort of duet with Judas of being like, and it, I think in the stage production, there is more of that. In fact, I know that there is, but I thought that she did everything that she could possibly do with all the material that she, that she had in that movie. I think she crushed it. I mean, overall, the main focus is between Jesus and Judas. That's okay. the, the main the 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 main conflict of the of the story because obviously it's the last few days of Jesus' life and everyone knows that you know, Judas betrayed him and again I like that they show the inner conflict of both characters so when Judas is singing in the beginning singing heaven on their minds you can tell I mean he's by himself and he's um, you know really moving around like using the space and moving around the set and just kind of just projecting all of his anger at the moving, you know, the group of Jesus and his disciples. And then even later with, you know, Jesus, who early on, they kind of established that it seems as though his disciples are seeing him in a way that he doesn't necessarily want to be seen as, especially early in, um, in what's the buzz at the end, you know, he, they kind of zoom in on his face and he just looks very almost defeated. Like yeah. being Jesus sounds exhausting. Like I totally understand that it sounds it sounds like it sounds awful. Yeah. Like so I I totally like I, I that's good that they kind of channeled that. So like he, he just seems like I don't know, like and, and also like later on I love when he's um sing your songs for everyone, not just to me. You know, that's he's trying to take the focus off of himself. Like that's great. I just wish they like really went into it more. And I think it's kind of, you know, the um because the, they're continuing with the musical. The musical doesn't have any dialogue. So it's just it's obviously just all sung through. Which is how it should be, I think. Mm-hmm. No, which and that's why I said it works well on stage and you can get away with that. On screen though it almost feels like something's missing. Like I wanted, I wanted more and delving more into like the, like a deeper conflict um, between Judas and Jesus, because at times it's just like, Oh, they're apart. And some of the scenes, some of the scenes seem like they're doing the same thing. 
and we under we get like the same information about like okay his disciples are crazy about him but jesus is a little conflicted about it um and judas is like see i told you and yeah. like um but I, I don't know i just i just kept wanting more i wanted them to go even deeper into it i totally agree i think that that's that's what that third element was was that like it was missing that the movie it like made it clear it kind of uh brought to light the this the missing elements whereas i felt like the stage production doesn't as much like it it allows the stage production it it gives you the opportunity to fill in the blanks for yourself but for some reason on film the way it translates made it more clear that those elements were missing and i agree like i felt like there needed to be more backstory there needed to be more of an explanation of of why these characters felt the way they did and and I, I yeah i kind of see what you're saying about the maybe the film op- adaptation needed a little bit maybe not dialogue, but at least one or two more songs that were like delving into why these things were, why these characters felt the way they did about each other, what their relationship was like more. But I do love, there are some good sequences, especially at the end, the way they handle the song, Jesus Christ Superstar, which is like my favorite song in the the show and kind of juxtaposing that with him taking the cross up the hill and, and being crucified. Like that's actually like really interesting filmmaking that plays with your um, emotions because of how just awesome and rock and grandiose that song is paired with everyone turning against him as he um, descends to his death. And I, I actually like that. Like I, I commend them for doing that. Um, now that also being said, that scene follows probably the worst scene in the movie, uh, which is the, the, what the, I don't even know his fucking name. The, the fat guy singing, um, (laughs) singing to him across the way on this like patio in, in the water. It almost is like a John Waters movie in the middle of, (laughs) in the middle of Jesus Christ Superstar. I was like, what is happening? And Jesus doesn't do anything in that scene. He just listens and watches. And even he's like, guys, can we go now? Like, I don't, I'm not getting anything from this guy. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I've seen that done well, I think I've seen that done well. Mm-hmm. The, that done in the right production can can work, and you can be like, okay, that makes sense to me. Why that's in this this movie? D- no, it, it was like <laughs> what? It was goofy. Hell? It was. So I was ridiculous. like, this is not in the right movie. Not the right casting. Not the right int- like none of none of those elements were working at all, in my opinion. Also, it just felt like it felt like it was suddenly like a middle school production. Like this guy was like, if mm-hmm. I didn't know the show and I didn't know the song, I would have been. If I was sitting in the theater when that first came out, I would have been like, "What the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> yeah, like what is this movie? Why why did it do this?" <laughs> well, it, okay, so please enlighten me. So in the musical, yeah, in in the stage production, what is that? What is actually happening in that scene? So it's King Herod. He's supposed to be kind of like this, this moment of, of kind of, it's kind of like taking a step out of the stakes of the, of the moment and being like, what's your deal, man? Like, like knocking him down to size. It's this big production number. That's like that. That's before the superstar number. That's like another way to be like, who are you, Jesus? Like, what's your deal? Why, what are you doing? Um, and, and it's supposed to be kind of ridiculous, but it just didn't, they didn't do it right. And I mean, mm-hmm. to be honest, I've never really loved that, 
that song in in general. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I do think it kind of like takes a break on the stakes of the situation. But mm-hmm. a lot of people love it, so I don't know if I should say too much about it because maybe people are going to be like, "No, that's the best song in the show." Um, well, because like my thing, okay, so if, if that's the case, then like that's fine. I I understand the intent, and obviously it's supposed to be ridiculous. But because it's placed right after he is sentenced to death by Pontius Pilate, and I think he was just whipped like. Forty times, I think no, that was no, before. I, I think it's. I think that the herald scene is before the whipping. Before that, okay. Which well, thank it, God it is because that would just be re- insanely yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Um. But but like regardless, it's you know Jesus like is actually like realizing okay I I'm accepting my fate I'm going to die for the sins of others and uh you know all of his disciples are like crucify him crucify him crucify him and then that scene happens it's like why and if and if that's the case. Like, if that song was great, that would be one thing. But, like, also, it just, the it's it feels repetitive if it's saying pretty much the same thing that Jesus Christ Superstar is saying, that, and they put Pilate that in saying. a Yeah. Well, I mean, I understand that this is based off the Bible, so, like, we're, this is a, th- this character is, is, is a part of it. But, um, I agree. I think that it's really just reiterating exactly what, Kind well, not exactly. It's not like he's Pilate is conflicted for a different reason. But yeah, I totally agree that it, it is kind of reiterating the same, the same thing. Like, who is this Jesus? Like, what's his deal? And why should we kill him or not? It's the same exact thing, and it's just another song and another guy character who is kind of pointless in a sense. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Not maybe not the character is pointless, but that the way that the character, like portrays what he's saying Mm. is redundant it's it's repetitive and especially because like i had almost forgotten about it by the time that jesus christ superstar the song had come on and i was like yes this is like this is where the big moral question comes in and i'm like in and uh and i mean also because judas has so much more emotion towards that problem that initial like, who is Jesus? What is he actually saying? He's just a man, but, like, he has all of these followers and is, like, changing everything. Um, whereas uh, this king is like, hey, Jesus, what's up? And then Jesus doesn't say anything. And he's like, fuck you, Jesus! It's like, yeah, like, like, <laughs> so aggressive for no reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he, like, he's, so, he's like, woo, show tunes! And he's like, nah! Like, freaking out. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, I... Yeah, I this is this is where I'm going to defend this song because I feel like in the stage production it does a good job of kind of like bridging the gap between moments because like it is kind of like a tension release moment where it's like oh my god all this craziness is happening Jesus just screamed his head off in the song and now we have this like show tuny number that's like all right let's just like this is craziness and like let's bring him down to size and 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 kind of have this like show tuny like Broadway moment uh, which the show doesn't have up until that point. So I guess I, it makes sense to to include some sort of tension release moment, but this movie mm-hmm. doesn't do that. Doesn't do that well. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I mean that's a staple of a lot of musicals. You got to right. like, especially in the second act. There's like the te- the tension and the drama is building up. You have that moment of just levity and like, okay, we. Let's do a quick reset so we can push you forward into the into the bigger events. I totally get that. It's done. It's 
been done before. It'll be done again. And it's been done to great effect. Like the master of the house moment, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Sort of like master of the house or even like, or like, okay. Like we just talked about in West side story, like in officer Krebke kind of does that. Right. Like right. That's right. the, it's more so in the movie because they changed the, they changed the order of the songs, but yeah, essentially that. So it's been done before, but here in, in, in a, in a movie, I, I feel like you're ramping the stakes up. Just keep doing that. You know, keep we don't stakes climbing so that they can yeah. be like the pinnacle. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. And so like, it would be weird. I, I don't, I don't even like, it, it would be weird if they put like a quick little like comedy scene during the final battle of star Wars. Like it wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense. You know totally. what I mean? Maybe that's not the best comparison, but no, it is it, honestly because it's like mm-hmm. a really high stakes melodramatic movie. Uh, it is kind of like an opera, Star Wars, like a space opera or space, like, uh, right? Um, what's the um, Epic. other well, no, no, uh, yeah, no, space opera or what's what's the like really high stakes TV shows? The like, and there she was, da, da, da. you know what Soap I'm talking opera. about. Soap opera, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So it's like a space soap opera. But um, yeah, I agree. I don't think that the tension should be dropped or like, mm-hmm. it's just confusing. <laughs> I think we should just move on to um, the analysis section. So uh, unless you have any other points of, of uh, in the critical breakdown that you want to throw out there. Um, I feel like I've said pretty much, pretty much all of it, except for that I liked that you know, you know when like someone's really, really giving a moment, they have that head vein going on, like the head vein. Oh yeah. <laughs> this movie had some serious head vein, and I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I wrote. I love it. No, it's fair. All right, let's move on to analyze this. It's it's a little challenging analyzing this movie in terms of in terms of themes and a clear message because just because of the, the nature of the Bible and it's a story that's been told like countless times and whether you subscribe to it or not. I mean, I'm not a, a religious person really at all, but just coming from it from a um, from a filmmaking perspective and just the message of, of the movie, I appreciate that they are very clearly trying to make Jesus a little bit more of a man than he is a, a deity. Like I... I am, I'm cool. Like, that's cool. Like that, that's a good idea, especially in a piece like this where it's clearly the conflict comes first. So they have to kind of bring him down a little bit to make him more, more humanized. Now that, that being said, the, the themes necessarily of the movie, I wasn't really getting a whole lot of any, anything different other than the, um, just the, the overall, the overall idea of how we worship somebody. And cause the, he like kind of asked that question early on, you know, what does he say to his disciples? He's like, you know, you worship me, but you wouldn't care if I, if I, if I were dead or had never met me, like it, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered. Like you, it, you wouldn't have cared mm-hmm. like either way. So I feel like worship and how we worship someone is, or just something in general is kind of called, I don't want to say necessarily called into question, but it is a part of the story. For sure. What do you take away from the movie? Like, what do you feel is your message or any theme that you can point out from the film or the show in general? I think that, yeah, I think the musical is just, I agree with what you were saying earlier. I think the it's about the relationship between Judas and Jesus. I think that it's just 
the musical isn't trying to be any anything else besides that. I think that's really what it's just. It's focus. It's Judas's musical. It really is. I mm-hmm. think that it is just, and I think that is what we take away is what the heartbreak of of this of this incredible. What I see it as is as an incredible friendship that just gets destroyed, um, and and what I see it as is from jealousy. You know, from his jealousy of of. Mary and 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 Jesus's relationship and he I think it's just this like really really devastating story of this tragedy of of Judas's kind of heartbreak leading to his betrayal of Jesus and and then you know the tragedy of his of his death but yeah mm-hmm. I, I I think that's what I I understand the the you know why people would judge it for not telling the full story, but I don't think it's trying to, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that I like that it doesn't try to be, it doesn't try to like tell all of the story. I think it just focuses on one, the relationship between those two characters. And I think it does a good job with that. Yeah, I agree. And there, you can't tell the full story of the Bible yeah, um, no. in just this, in this, in this setting, it would be too much. And I like that they, by focusing on Judas um, more so than uh, Jesus, you do get the the more sense of jealousy. Also kind of in some ways, like understand what, like where he's coming from and what he's saying, not necessarily sympathizing with him, but you, I, I, I get what he's saying. And you, you could clearly see that this jealousy is weighing on him, but also his moral corruption of betraying him like do i actually do this and is this the right thing but it kind of sticks to my beliefs of him but and then he goes through with it and then it ends up destroying him uh so and that's like i like the tragedy of it like that's like that that is an interesting story like i i like to see something like that but i oh i always get so much more just like a of a takeaway of what this piece necessarily represents in terms of artists and art which is the big question that we always like to answer um, here at Frankly, I Love Movies, is how does this add to our love of the medium film or theater in this case? So we've talked about this musical so much already. Um, I want to know what it means for you, what this work represents, because for me, it's a testament to taking something that is more so more common knowledge or already established work that is obviously so personal there to so many people because it's, it's a religious text um, and puts an interesting spin on it and tells it in a new unique way. And I love anytime any work can do that. And I, I put that more as a testament to the music and the performances than I do necessarily the, the movie and, and the way that that was directed. But I, I applaud the creators for, for doing something like this and taking that risk. And that's kind of the testament that I'd like try and put into my work and trying to be a, like go as far out there as you possibly can and making something work to tell a new story out of a story that's as old as, you know, time itself. Yeah, man, that, that is probably, yeah. I mean, that's a question that I always re-answer for myself. I feel like every time I watch it, I'm like, what is, what about this is so, is so, incredible and and what draws me in so much about it um and yeah just a lot uh, what you were saying about being bold and being brave enough to tell a story based on something that is so well known 
is something that I think I like so much about this is that it's not only is it taking liberties um, when it comes to like the storytelling of what it's trying to say, like it, it follows the Bible and stuff, but there are certain elements that it kind of, it, it takes, it takes its own spin on like the, the whole idea that Judas is in love with Jesus. Like that is a, it's a brave thing to include in a musical when it's such a, you know, it's a touchy subject to like bring, bring up something from the Bible and kind of like, make it just make a decision about it and the fact that like mary magdalene was a whore and all of these things and i think what i like about it is that it's brave and that it doesn't when it makes a choice it makes it wholeheartedly and it doesn't half-ass anything and i think that's what i like and i think that's oftentimes what productions of jesus christ superstar do do really well and also really poorly <laughs> i feel mm-hmm. like every production that i've seen tries to make a really bold choice and it either really works or really really doesn't like yeah. the bold choice of putting those hats in that production was it was a bold <laughs> choice it wasn't the right choice but it was mm-hmm. a bold choice and i respect that um but yeah i think what it does is it it, it brings the rawness and truthfulness of rock and roll and it brings it to the medium of musical theater and i think that it does it in a way that is more effective than any other show at least from that era in my opinion yeah it's definitely a standout from that era uh of the the late 60s early 70s because you know rock and roll didn't have a clear you know space in musical theater at that time, yeah, when this show came along and really changed the game. I mean, the only the only one the only other one that I could think of before then was like hair, was hair, yeah, yeah. and and even then, like that is completely different than <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar in totally. terms of the in terms of the music. And I, I I totally agree that the the music itself encapsulates like passion and emotion in a in a completely different way. It's so it's so outward. Like it, it's, it's just, it's projected emotion. A lot of times musical theater can be very like um, internal emotion and it's obviously so can film, but sometimes songs are very much just, I'm here in this moment and I'm just going to say it like to myself, but here it's like this, like, I'm going to send it out to everybody. That's the kind of coolness of rock and just like blast people in the back of the, into the back of their seats. Um, and, and not just with sound obviously, but with, meaning and an emotion that is clearly embedded in these songs and uh, Weber and Rice like knew that they wanted to achieve that. And that's why that's why there are so many songs in this show is that they could only tell it and achieve that emotion through these melodic lines and the, like the energy it's just is so infectious. You know, you listen yeah. to it and you get, and you get chills. Like, it's just like, Oh, especially like hearing, how so many different like and you have to have a killer voice to do this show so hearing so many other people like do it you're like wow just like hearing talented people like sing that it's insane to me not only a killer voice but a killer technical voice like i was as i was watching ted uh as he's doing he's playing jesus jesus he's singing gethsemane just from a vocal technique standpoint no offense, Guy. No offense, Ted. But there's no way he would be able to do that eight shows a week. He would literally uh, no burst his vocal cords. Now, I know that's really aggressive, but it's true. Like this is the kind of show that requires a freaking like a superstar. I mean, it, it requires like a superhero to me to be able to like navigate technically and emotionally. This show is just like an absolute. You have to be fully aware of every intention um and 
not just technically, but emotionally. I mean, that's what I think is, is so cool about it is that it requires a hundred percent of the actor, which is like, and every, and I think that they crushed it, all of them, but like, yeah, watching Ted Neely singing Gethsemane, it's amazing. Sounds great. Do that eight shows a week and then call me and then tell me if you're able to do that. Um, it'll, it'll kill him. Yeah, it, it would. I mean, it, it is, it is an insane, it's an, kind of an impossible task to be honest, to be doing mm-hmm. that. And like, if you see, if you see the 2012 revival, just the technical stuff that goes into making this happen is there's so much work that you're not seeing as a vocalist, as a performer and to, to perform the show. Um, if you, uh, yeah, the guy who did it, Paul Alexander Nolan, you can just, fe- you can see, even though he's not showing that he's technically doing a lot, you can see how much prep work went into making what he's singing technically healthy and also really emotional. You know, it's really is freaking, I just like love it. I love, I love how superhero it is. And, it, mm. and I love that it, not only is it called Jesus Christ Superstar, but it requires that kind of otherworldly insanity to make it work, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add before we sign off? Just that. Thank you. I mean, like, dude, I, I freaking love talking about this clearly. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, oh, man. I mean, thank you for coming on and taking your time. This was wonderful. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for doing this. This is a cool thing to to be talking about. I think it's like something that everyone thinks about, but having like a, a, a space where you can exclusively talk about like movie musicals and where they stand, I think is a really cool idea. I'm pumped to be a part of it. That does it for this episode of Frankly, I Love Movies. Huge thank you to our special guest, Brendan Jacob Smith, for such an engaging conversation. Definitely go check him out on Instagram at Brendan Jacob Smith and his acapella cover group T3 on Instagram and TikTok. That is a capital T and the number three. These guys do insane covers of all types of songs from Broadway to classical and contemporary. And if you'd like to head over to my YouTube channel, Josh Wall, you can see him in my thesis short film, My, 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 where he plays the leading role. Also, be sure to go listen to Ravnik Avengers, Orion Valley Productions' very own Real Play D&D podcast. Their second season is just chugging along with a new episode coming out this Thursday, July 16th, available wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to follow us on social media for more fun updates and film, go follow us on Facebook at Frankly I Love Movies, on Twitter at Frankly Podcast, and you can follow me on Instagram for more exciting updates on what's going on in my life. But finally, in two weeks, we'll be bringing you the best of the worst entry to this series with my friend Ross Kennedy and I discussing the 2009 remake of Fame. Until then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Movies.